Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London. I'm Naomi Rovnik. British businessman James Dyson has long trumpeted Britain's economic potential on the global stage once it leaves the EU. So why has he decided to move his business headquarters to the other side of the world? Ursula Milton discusses this with Michael Pooler and Peter Campbell. Michael, for those who don't know, what's the story behind Dyson's rise and how successful is it as a company? So Sir James Dyson has been working on vacuum cleaners for a very long time and he was developing his own bagless types in the 1980s and he had an agreement with a Japanese company to licence his design to them. But he struck out on his own and founded the Dyson Company in 1992 and that's when he launched his first own branded vacuum cleaners and they became very successful and sales grew very rapidly. And this was largely on two factors. It was the performance of the suction which they have always claimed is superior to competitors and that is largely to do with the engineering of the machines. They're bagless and they use something called the cyclonic principle which is the way the air spins inside the chamber and they they say that over the long run the vacuum cleaner doesn't lose suction unlike its peers but the other aspect that's really attracted people is the design aesthetics the way it looks it's very modern sleek and in the wake of that a lot of other vacuum cleaner manufacturers have aped or imitated aspects of the design so they became very successful in vacuum cleaners and since then they've branched out into other consumer product areas a lot of people will be familiar with its hand dryers that you have in bathrooms in large buildings but then there's also other areas that they've gone into like lighting for example they now do air purifiers and hair dryers and it's all quite high end they've got quite big price tags on these products and if we look at the financials that's really testament to how successful they've been last year the revenues went up 28 percent to 4.4 billion pounds while their profits broke the 1 billion mark for the first time and they were up one third So as a result of all of this, Sir James has become one of Britain's most recognised businessmen and also a celebrated entrepreneur. Peter, I think Dyson recently announced it's moving into self-driving cars. Is that the real reason for the decision to move? So Dyson wants to start launching electric cars from 2021. Some of them will be self-driving, some of them will be driven, but this for the company is enormously ambitious move. They want to spend more than £2 billion on the project. And they've already said they're going to build the cars in Singapore and the cars are going to be developed partly in Singapore. And for many people, if you look at the timing of the decision to locate in Singapore, it fits with the fact that the business is going to expand massively. And Sir James has previously said that if the car venture is successful, it will grow to dwarf all of the other things that Dyson does. Now, there's two particularly attractive parts of Singapore, apart from the fact that it means that Dyson's management can be closest to its largest operation and its new factory. And these are Singapore's rules around financial disclosure and also Singapore's treatment of patents and intellectual property. Now, Dyson is going to develop lots of intellectual property in this new series of cars. It already has some technology from its other products it will be using in those, such as electric motors. But it also is likely to develop a lot of its own new technology. If that is made in Singapore, then it's likely that those patents will be able to stay in Singapore and will be taxed in Singapore. And the other issue is disclosure. Sir James has previously criticised the fact that privately held UK companies have to file accounts to companies' house. That means anyone can go and look at them and see how they're doing. Moving the corporate headquarters to Singapore means that the holding company will file its accounts in Singapore. Those are less transparent, less easily accessed than accounts in the UK. 
And particularly as Dyson is about to embark on this very expensive, very ambitious project to move into cars, it's likely that the business, which is highly profitable at the moment, is going to see its profits at least dip in the short term. It may have to increase spending in the project. Getting into making cars is very expensive. We've seen new entrants such as Tesla struggle with this. Many of the new Chinese companies trying to get into electric vehicles have struggled and have faced serious cost overruns and delays. So if Dyson does have to spend more money than it expects on this project, if the venture does push the company into a loss in the short term, then being in Singapore will mean that that is not as visible as it would have been if it had remained in the UK. Now, Dyson has not said publicly that these are two of the factors in its decision to move to Singapore, but it's likely going hand in hand with the massive growth it expects in this vehicle business that those at least were contributing factors. So why are they doing this now at a time when Britain arguably needs a vote of confidence from one of its leading business innovators? The timing of the announcement was particularly unfortunate for Dyson. Sir James has been a very vocal proponent of Britain's exit from the EU. And many people saw the fact that the company is moving its headquarters outside of Britain weeks before Britain leaves the EU. They said it smacked of hypocrisy. Now, Sir James has denied that and said it's purely a business-led decision. But this certainly comes at the time when Britain's car industry is trying to attract more investment from international manufacturers. The fact that Dyson decided not to make its car in the UK was seen as a blow. Many of the other international car makers have invested in the UK, but investment levels in UK automotive and UK business in general have fallen in the run-up to Brexit. And so this was certainly not be taken well by British business at a time when every scrap of good news is desperately clung on to. So to give us a bit more context, Michael, how much of the business is already conducted overseas anyway? This is another one of the factors which Dyson has stated behind its move of the headquarters to Singapore. And I think we should just give a bit more detail on this relocation. Dyson has kind of tried to downplay it. What they've said is... There's only two top executives who are going to be moving as a result of this. It's the chief legal officer and the chief financial officer. Dyson's CEO, who isn't Sir James, by the way, it's somebody else, he's already based in Singapore. So Sir James takes a role where he owns the company and he will make the big decisions, but there is a separate chief executive officer. And so you'll have this team of top executives in Singapore. And Dyson says that is because most of their customers are now in Asia. More than half of the company's one billion profit comes from Asian customers and they see the region as ripe with opportunity. Their argument goes that we need the top executives there to oversee the car factory investment, like Peter said, but also so that we can adapt and make quick decisions based on all these opportunities. China, for example, has grown hugely. And some of these countries, which only a few years ago Dyson had very little penetration in, are now outstripping some of its more mature markets like the US and Japan. And that's a result of the growing middle class in Asia with disposable income. So they do do most of their business already in Asia. And that is one of the arguments. On the other hand, you could say that there are a lot of FTSE companies listed on the stock exchange who have international operations, particularly when you look at manufacturing companies, a lot of which have outsourced their production to Asia. But those companies, whether they're FTSE 100 or FTSE 250, they're still headquartered in the UK. Now, one could imagine that Dyson would say, well, aha, we're a privately owned company. We don't rely on access for finance at the City of London, so we don't need to have our headquarters there. 
It's also worth saying that Dyson expects a lot of its future growth to come from the car industry, and particularly from electric cars. China is the world's biggest car market, and it's also the government has incredibly ambitious targets for electric vehicles. China sold more electric vehicles last year than every other nation combined. And so if they expect most of their growth in the future to come from China and the surrounding nations, then being based close to there also gives them an advantage. So you mentioned disclosure rules and IP. What are the other attractions of moving to Singapore? So a lot of the debate following the announcement has focused on tax. And there's been a lot of speculation that Dyson has done this to lower their tax bill. They immediately came out and said tax was not a motivation and that the overall impact on our tax bill will be negligible. There's not actually a great difference in the headline rates of corporation tax in the UK versus Singapore. In the UK, it's at 19% and it's actually going to decrease in the next few years, whereas Singapore, the headline rate is 17%. However, when you go beyond that headline figure is where it starts to get a bit more interesting. In Singapore, there's a lot of incentives on offer that can actually quite drastically reduce a company's corporate tax rate all the way down to zero, even though experts say that doesn't happen very often, though it is a possibility. What kind of a loss would you say this is for the UK in terms of jobs, prestige, tax revenues? The question about how much of a loss this will be in reality for the UK, it's perhaps being overplayed because Dyson paid about £60 million in corporate tax in the UK in 2017 and virtually all of that came from one of its subsidiaries, Dyson Technology, which holds all of its patents or virtually all of its patents and a lot of its intellectual property. And so that company will remain in the UK and Dyson has said that its IP strategy won't change and that they won't be transferring the UK patents over to Singapore. So as a result of that, we can expect that it will continue to generate a lot of profit on which they'll have to pay UK corporate tax. Dyson tried to say this won't have a negative impact on the UK. Apart from the two executives who are transferring over to Singapore, they say nobody else in their UK workforce, which is about 4,500 people, will actually transfer to Singapore. In fact, they say, on the contrary, we're going to keep on increasing our number of employees in the UK. They no longer manufacture anything in the UK. They stopped that in 2003. And instead, they have two big R&D centres in Wiltshire in southwest England. And half of their overall UK workforce is actually in research and development, scientists and engineers. They say that they're going to invest more in one of those two R&D centres so that they can do autonomous vehicle testing. So they say, look, this is not a bad thing for the UK. On the contrary, it shows that we're a growing company. And as we make more sales in Asia, it will actually be a good thing for the UK because the company will have more profits and we can create more jobs. Not everyone buys that, however, and some people see the fact that the headquarters is moving to Singapore as a signal that in future it's Asia which will benefit from the biggest investment decisions. And in a way, you can already see that with the fact that Singapore was chosen for the car factory, which is Dyson's biggest single investment to date. The other point about prestige There is an argument that by moving its headquarters away, it sends out a signal that the UK is a less attractive place to have your headquarters. It's less important on the global scale. I think the loss to the UK for Dyson's headquarters is more symbolic than it almost is anything else. The decision to make the car plant outside of the UK, and they did for a long time consider making it in the UK, was far more significant in terms of jobs and wealth creation and tax in the short term, certainly. The car industry is a famously global industry, and every time they develop new models, all their plants around the world look to compete 
to build those models. Many of Britain's car plants, particularly with Brexit, are thinking quite seriously about the challenges of winning future work. And so the fact that Dyson, which is widely regarded as one of the most technologically savvy and forward-thinking manufacturers out there, has decided not to make cars in the UK, that definitely is a blow to the UK's prestige in this area. So we've talked a bit about the negative impact for Britain. How will Singapore benefit from this move, do you think? Singapore has been trying to attract lots of high-tech manufacturing. Dyson already had some facilities there. They already made electric motors there. And so winning particularly the car plant was uh, very advantageous for the Singaporean government. Now winning the corporate headquarters is going to help Singapore as well. Any area that is looking to attract a particular industry, a particular specialism, has a sort of cluster effect. If there's one company there, then other companies in the same area are likely to go there because that is where the skills are, that is where the engineers are, that is where the technology is being developed. The Singaporean government already has very attractive tax breaks and government grants and other ways of attracting businesses to it. Dyson's move to Singapore will certainly not hurt that. That was Ursula Milton talking to Michael Pooler and Peter Campbell. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com slash offer. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.